Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work Ram desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge you to think about your faith and work, today we're going to be talking with a a comrade in arms, a fellow radio talk show host out of Minneapolis, <laughs> Jeff Pelletier. And before we bring him on, I want to read this verse because this is why Jeff and I are on the radio across the country. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Jeff Pelletier with God's Work in Progress. Welcome to the I Work For Him show. Jim, it really is a pleasure. I'm listening to your opening uh, your opening comments, and I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. <laughs> That's right. Let's change the country. Come on, let's, let's go. go. Yeah, you, but I'll tell you what. I'll give you the northern half of the country, and I'll take the southern <laughs> half of the country. And okay, I, my no, and I say that only in only in jest. I know you're out of Minneapolis, and, and and people on this show that have been listening to me for the last almost two years, they know my heart and my soul lives in Minneapolis, sure. even though even though my feet are walking the beach sand here in, just south of Clearwater, Florida. Uh, but but it's because of Martha. Martha's health wasn't good, so we moved down here. But I miss Minneapolis. You know what I miss more than anything? I miss the people. Of course, people are nice up there, even when yeah. they, you don't know them, they're still nice. But you know what I miss more than anything? Have you ever driven in Tampa Bay, Jeff? 
Yes, I have actually. How, how recently have you driven in Tampa Bay? Oh, I I, I love the the Gulf Coast, and uh, my wife's sister uh, has a place in Venice, Florida. Oh. Hey, but Venice is so, nice. Yeah, that is See, I live north of there, about an hour. As a crow flies, it's probably only about 50 miles. But I live in Pinellas County, south of Clearwater Beach, and the traffic here is unbelievable. It took me 50 minutes to get to the station today. It's 13, yeah. it's 13 miles. And if yeah. that was Minneapolis, you could have gone from Elk River all the way to Bloomington. Yeah. You know, I yeah, mean, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Unbelievable. That's so listen, I wanted, I'm so glad you joined me on the show today. Jeff, you've got a show in Minneapolis on KTIS. It's, is it 900 AM? Is that what their, their numbers is? Actually, we're on the, we're on the Faith Radio Network and, uh, KTIS is the, is the flagship station of the network. Okay. And we're on eight, we're on eight stations and, uh, we're in, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Kansas. Uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about cheeseheads on this show, though. Take that one back. Okay, <laughs> no, no cheeseheads on this show. We're totally rejecting anything having to do with cheeseheads on this show. Well, they're playing Dallas on Sunday. It's going to be a great game. So uh, it's just, you know, it's not that I'm a bitter growing up Vikings fan, because I am, uh, but I haven't watched a Vikings game since 1998 when they lost the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship. Right. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I've never forgotten that. My TV never recovered really after that, but I just, right. just, you know, <laughs> just unbelievable. So, you know, God calling you, first of all, before we get into the interview, I really, as I do with every guest that I bring in the show, I really want to hear, how is Christ making a difference in your life today? Well, Jesus has made a difference in my life from the get-go. Uh, when I accepted Jesus in 1985, I woke up the next morning after I made that decision, and I knew in my spirit, in my soul, I don't know, in Deep, deep within me, I knew, Jim, that I was not and I would never be alone. And that was an amazing thing for me, uh, to have a, a sense of the presence of God in my life, inside me, not like next to me, but in me. And, and I, that has never, ever gone away. If anything, it's gotten stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. So it's, it's uh, the, abiding, the abiding presence of God is what has changed my life, because I'm not alone anymore. Well, and, and tell me, has your life ever been the same? No, no, it's, 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 an, it's an entirely new life. It literally is. I say to people, I was actually born in 1985. It, it, it feels like, it literally felt like there was this old person, and that person died, and this new person was literally born. It actually did feel like that. And I was... I, I'll give you, can I give you a quick example? Of course. A quick example was I would uh, I would take the Lord's name in vain on a regular basis for no reason because I wasn't a believer and I just threw the name around like it was nothing. You know, the next day, the next day, I felt tremendous. I, I wasn't even able to entertain doing that. I wasn't even able to think about possibly doing that. It was like a completely different thing. And so my, my language changed right away. There were other words that I used that I won't won't repeat obviously, but I used them all the <laughs> Thank time. You. Okay. And I and I didn't I just they just stopped. You know, it just it just like I'm not able to do it. And and it, it was it was amazing and, and it was it was also amazing to me that I made even back then I, I was a, a management trainer with General Mills. So I made my living with my voice. And and right away, my speech changed. 
So the way I was representing him in the workplace, in the marketplace, in the workplace, changed immediately. So it was a powerful, powerful thing. And like I said, it's just it, it's gone on from there. But it's been really, really great. You know, I, I I love you. Just made my point, and I bring it up all the time. But you know, as Christ followers, when you when you look at the scriptures, anybody who ever met Jesus. They were mm-hmm. never the same again. Right. Never. They were right. never the same. Yep. And not everybody followed Jesus after they met him, but their lives were never the same. And, and I look at a lot of times we focus on the positive. You look at Zacchaeus and man, after he met Christ, he gave money back. His life was never the same. He, he stopped stealing from people, stopped cheating people. But what yep. about the rich young ruler who's, who, right. who said, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And right. Jesus said, get rid of everything and then come follow me. And, and he turned away, and he walked away, and he didn't do it. What do you suppose his life was like? It was never the same. Because Jesus is that delineating factor. It's the black and white. It's when you meet him, you're like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, and the thing about Jesus is very few people are very few people are undecided about him. They're, they either <laughs> love him or they're against him. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. Well, and he, and he said that. He said that, though. Yeah, you know, but but you live in a culture, and this is you know one of the things growing up in Minnesota. One of the things that I, that I, that I struggle with so much is that you live in a culture full of really good people. I mean, you, yeah. really good people. Yesterday we had, you know, we live in a wicked culture here in Tampa Bay, where those of us who who want to be Christ followers live amongst people who the opposite is what they desire. And, and we have we have a lot more murders than you can do in Minneapolis. We have a lot more uh, normal crime against people, against children. We had a horrible crime against a child yesterday off the Sunshine, oh Sunshine Skyway. It was unbelievable. And, and oh but what's but what's incredible is that the light of Christ on the airwaves makes such a difference because people know when they tune into one of either your show or my show, they know it's nothing like they've ever listened to before. Mm. Well, that's why we need to be on the air, though, for everything you just said about Tampa Bay, everything you just said, and even even Minneapolis, Minnesota, we have our problems here. But, but you know, Jesus, you know, I, I was thinking about that. I was talking to somebody right before uh, we have this call. I was talking to another person uh, I, I made the comment to that person that we are a post-Christian nation. Mm-hmm. We used to be a we used to be a Christian nation, but now we're a post-Christian nation. And Christianity is just like any other flavor of ice cream. It's just one of the religions out there. And some people are Christians, and some people are Muslims, and some people are Buddhists, and some people are. The, and it doesn't really matter anymore that you're a Christian. Used to be. I mean, I have a very vivid memory of reading the 23rd Psalm in fifth grade out loud in front of the class. Yeah, imagine that happening today. Fifth, the kid would get, yeah, the kid would right. get sent to, to uh, the principal's office for doing that today. Yes. But, well, you almost said jail, and you'd almost be right. Well, well in certain states, <laughs> in certain states, that would absolutely be the case. Uh, we haven't gone that far. But, you know, it'll happen right. first in Minneapolis before it happens in Florida, because the one nice thing about Florida is that at least... We have all of the radicals that have that are down here, but at at least we still have freedom of religion because we got kooky people down here too. But you know, but my point in all of that is that when people's lives have been impacted by Christ, their lives are never the same. Yet in the church, we've really struggled to equip them to be different in their workplace, and people are struggling to understand how do I apply this newfound faith in Christ to what I do each and every day, and. And there's there's some stuff that is intuitive because if your life is different, everything about you should be changing. 
That's right. That's right. We we, we talk about this a lot, uh, Jim. We, we on our program we talk about helping people do great work with great faith, and we put work first because work is the primary part of your witness. Jim Keller, in his book Every Great Endeavor, calls it the ministry of competence, and that's so powerful to say it that way. That when you do great work, when you do a great job, I've had many guests on my show, and when I ask them, what is it that attracted you to, to the people that you worked with that, that you really like? And they always say they did a great job, they did great work, and then they found out they were Christian. Whoa, and then that was like icing on the cake. But uh, if, if a person quotes you the four spiritual laws and they don't show up to work on time, it really doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's not going to make much of an impact. Yes. So doing great work, doing a great job, is a really important part of being a great Christian at work. Yeah, it goes goes down to, I'm not sure who said it, I think it was Maxwell, but it could have been somebody else, that nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. Right, And that right. Might, it might not have been Maxwell, I don't want to misquote that, but... No, right. but that's the right way. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so God's work in progress. This show, yeah. you've been on the air, I know you started in 2009 with your radio show on the internet, and then you went to the, the broadcast airwaves. Where did God's work in progress, where'd that name come from? The name... You know, it's funny, Dimitri Bowden was my producer at World Talk Radio Network, which is when we were online. We were on the World Talk Radio Network. And uh, uh, Dimitri Bowden and I were talking about the show, and he approached me about even doing the show, because I had a blog that I was writing about faith and work, and he just found the blog, and he said, you you should be on the radio. So we we got to the point where we decided to be on the radio, and, and, you know, I I was talking to him and trying to figure out, well, what do we call this thing? And Jim, it was really, it just flowed out of my mouth. And he went, wow, that's a great name. Because it talks about work, it talks about God, it talks about making progress, and it just it, it just fit really, really well with what we were trying to do. But I give the Lord the credit, because it just popped into my head. Well, and I've got a similar story about I work for him because I had written 130 different names down, and it wasn't about radio. This was just uh, my calling. I knew that God wanted me to start a ministry related to faith and work, and I was had gotten an executive summary. I'd written for years and years and years and years and years, six, seven years. And I said, Lord, I'll know you want me to mo- want me to move forward with this ministry when you give me a name. And it was November 20th, 2012, when I got the name I work for him. And when I wrote it down, I'm like. Oh, that's good. That's how I knew it was from the. That's how I knew it was from the Lord because it was good because I had 132 names that were just well, they're just names. And then I got yeah. that. I'm like, oh, that really works. And it was 90 yeah. days later that I got asked to be on the radio, and I'm thinking, wow. And it was really cool though. I prayed that night, Jeff, on November 20th, 2012, it was a Wednesday night. My wife was working late at her Christian bookstore, and I said, Lord, okay, great. You gave me a name. You want me to move forward? I, I can see how I can help four or five Christian business people at a time, but how? How can I get the message out to thousands? How can I get the message out to thousands of people? I'm not known to be a speaker. How am I going to get it? And I just prayed. That's what I prayed. And 90 days later is when the owner and general manager of WTIS said, Jim, you need to talk about faith and work on the radio. And I looked at her and I told her she was nuts. I looked at her straight in the face and told her, she, you're nuts. You are absolutely nuts. So it's, But it's cool because I've been here almost two years on the radio and it's uh, what a privilege. I feel the pleasure of the Lord being on the radio challenging people from, from the pastors all the way down to the, to the people in the pews that listen everywhere you go to work. It's your workplace. <laughs> What I like about what I like about your the name of your show is that it is you. 
It is. I mean, it is. When, it when is definitely. It, when you say it, you're you're speaking personally. All right, we only have a few minutes, Jeff, before we go to the bottom of the half hour. Tell me how how did God lay the your give you a heart and a passion for faith and work? Well, again, it's back in 1985 when I accepted Jesus. The next uh, two days later, after I realized I was no longer alone, I I was uh, praying. And I had never been a prayer, praying person, and I was praying, and I said to God, kind of confrontationally, I said to God, I said, look, God, you know, if this Christian thing is going to work for me, it's got to work in my whole life, or I don't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. If I'm sick and tired of, of Monday morning, you know, Sunday Christians, Monday something else people, I'm sick of the hypocrisy, I don't want anything to do with it. So I'm telling you right now, God, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be all in, or I'm not doing it at all. That... And I immediately, immediately started to bring it in, and uh, Jesus blessed that right away. We can talk more about it when we well, you know what? <laughs> when I moved away from Minnesota, North Dakota was flyover land. North Dakota flyover. There was 398,000 people living there, and they all, they all farmed wheat. Okay, and Devil's Lake was still growing, and it was a big pond five feet deep. Just keep expanding. Now North Dakota's got a million people in it, and yeah. the best paying jobs in the country are in North Dakota, where the, where the Air Force was. You know, said you know if you were in bad shape with the Air Force, they sent you to Grand Forks because you were naughty. Right. Or the, my not. Or, or my not. Why not? Yeah. My not. And now not. Uh, there are people working up there that are from Florida. That I gotta see, because because yeah. the jobs here are rough, and up there the jobs are good, but it's cold in the wintertime in North Dakota. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Jim, the Bacon area or the Bakken area, sorry, it's called the Bakken area where the, where most of the oil is, uh, is suffering mightily spiritually. It's it's really become the old west. Sure, it's really, it's really uh, there's all kinds of money and nothing to do. So you know what you know what you get when you got nothing to do and all kinds of money. The drug dealers move in, the prostitution moves in, and basically that's what you've got. It's really really tough up there, and, and we really really need to be praying for those areas, uh, the Bakken area, and and uh, it's 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 God's country. You know, it's it's still God's country, and and God cares about those people as well as He does everything else. And God bless them that they found the oil for us. You know, Amen. I don't know what gas is. I don't know what gas is in Tampa, but today in Minnesota, it's $1.89. Oh, well, it's always a little bit cheaper up by you, which is unbelievable, because I don't know how your taxes could possibly be less than our taxes. Yeah. But but yeah. It, it was two. I filled up today at 206, but I saw 202 on my way into the studio. So it's close. But, you know, it, what's what's amazing, though, we need so we need to be uh, working with some organizations to plant some churches up there, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. Exactly. Mm. That's... I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a lady on that that uh, is from North Dakota. She moved back up there. She's a great lady. Her name is Anita Bai. She's on my advisory board, and she God called her back home, and she's up there, and she's she's getting into politics, and she's getting into business, and she's she's really really finding a, a mission field up there for herself. And I'm gonna have her on the show to talk about that area. Because there are people that need to know about it because they need missionaries there. They need pastors to go and plant churches. That's exactly what they need. We need pastors to plant Bible teaching, gospel yes. preaching churches. Yes. Uh, yes. Not another, you know, church where people just go to church because they go to church. Well, they're not going to in that area right now anyway. All right. So listen, what, what's the mission of your radio program, God's Work in Progress? What, what is your mission? Our mission is to help people do great work with great faith. 
That's exactly what we focus on every single week on the program. We want to be a practical program where people can learn and, and, and understand how to represent Jesus in the marketplace. And so we focus as much as we can on being as practical as we can. So doing great work with great faith, and I talked a little bit about it before, that doing a great job is the first step of your witness. Basically what we want, Jim, is a demonstration that's an invitation. If people demonstrate their life at work through the way they treat other people, but also the way they do their job, what happens is people come up to you and they want to they want to know you. They want they, they start to follow you. They start to you start to have influence and you're not even you're just being yourself, you know? And and that is that is what's going to change it. It's the relational aspect of evangelism. And then when people say, Hey, uh, what's different about you? You could say, Well, in nineteen eighty five I was at the end of my rope, and I was in a it was in a one bedroom with a bath, seventy five dollar a week apartment, crying myself to sleep, and I was flipping channels. You know, I, you can start to tell your your testimony, mm-hmm. and people will listen, and they want to hear it now because you know what? This isn't some guy who's shoving Jesus down their throat. This is a guy who's living Jesus, and now they want to know where he found it. They want to know where it happened, and they want to hear your story. And that's basically what we work on on the show, is, is to get people to do that, the great work, with great faith, and then when they're asked, their testimony is going to win souls. Hmm. That's fantastic. And that is so true. I love that. How did you say that You're, the demonstration is an invitation? Is that how you worded that? Yeah, a demonstration, that's an invitation. It's so, you're, 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 your salt is so tasty, and your light shines so brightly that people just want it. You you make Jesus tasty, and they just want to know about it. And and that's really what you know. When I'm on the air, I'm trying to make sure number number one. I, I assume that most of my audience are Christ followers, and I don't even use the word Christian on my show because because it it has been so watered down. And again, just as you said earlier. Christianity has been has been relegated to just another religion, and and I'm not. Jesus wasn't about religion in the first place. Jesus no, came, not at all. Jesus came not to destroy all. religion because the religious yeah. people were all about money, power, and control, and they yeah. still are today. <clears throat> in fact, the religious people they killed him because the, he was threatening their power structure, and. and and I'm constantly trying to recognize or, or to reinforce that when somebody says, oh, Jim, you're religious. I said, not if you knew me, you'd know I'm not very religious. But I'll tell you what, I have a relationship with my Heavenly Father and it's changed my life. And, and it gives you, they don't ever hear that because they're so frustrated with religion. They're so frustrated with, quote unquote, church and religion that they don't want to yeah. hear about it. And I'm like, I agree. Oh, man, religion irritates the crap out of me. Yeah, I want to yeah, talk about yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. right. That's right. <laughs> and Jesus is a real person, and Jesus really lived, and, it's, and there's proof that it's true. It's not some pie-in-the-sky thing that we, you know, that, that we, we have evidence that he was crucified, and he, was, and, he, and he died, and he was buried, and then the grave went empty, and they know that his body wasn't stolen. They don't know where his body is, and they couldn't prove that it was, that it was stolen. So they, this, is, this is all documented. It's not something that we made up, you know, it's, it's proof. No, it's, it's awesome. And the biggest proof is what's going on in your life and my life since the that's day right. that Jesus impacted our lives. I mean, it, it's, it, that's, that's the proof to me. Yes, I can give them historical documents, but I don't want to argue with people. I say, listen, here's something you can't argue with. Let me tell you who I was and who I am now in Christ. You know, and, and when, when uh, Jesus was asked for proof about himself, he said, the, he said the blind see, the, the, the deaf hear, 
the mute speak, the lame walk. What else do you need to know? Yeah, I love that. That's what he said. That's the message he sent back to John in prison. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. All right. Yeah. So, you know, your show's one day a week. The other five days a week, what do you get to do? Well, what I'm doing the rest of the time, Jim, is is planning the, the growth of the show and, and executing that. I'm, I'm putting together a, a, a kind of a way of, of presenting the ministry because the, the, the show is really a uh, kind of an entry point for the ministry. And basically, we're at work right now developing uh, uh, different venues uh, for uh, people to engage with the Faith Worth movement, because we want to be a force for for training and uh, inspiration. So not just not just inspiration. We want to, we want to be able to help people actually develop. So we have a consulting arm that we have. We we were doing secular consulting for a long time, but now we're working. We're we're forming uh, business uh, roundtables, Christian business roundtables. Uh, we'll, we'll be speaking at churches more about, about faith and work, uh, rallying Christians out of the pews, into their workplace, uh, getting them to be more active. Uh, we want to we teach people, we have a process for helping people become really effective in their work, and, and we call it our, our effectiveness equation, which means you take what you're great at, and you point it at what you really care about, and if you find a job where you do that, you are not working anymore, mm-hmm. like what you're doing right now. You're not working anymore. You're doing what you're great at, pointed at what you care about. And when you have a job like that, you do great work. And if you bring your faith into that, then you really are changing the world. So we want to help people do that. Uh, we also we also want to help uh, people develop their spiritual the, the spiritual fruit that makes them have great faith. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the evidence that people look for in a Christian. It's not that I say I'm a Christian, but do you love? Do you have joy? Do you have... Those are those are the markers of a Christian. So we want to help people develop that side of their life. So we're developing programs to help people do that. So they can, when, when, when they're at work and they're loving their neighbor at work, which is the second great commandment, right? Right. To love their neighbor. So if they're loving their neighbor at work, the person in the next cubicle, which is their neighbor, or the, or the person they have lunch with in the cafeteria, if they're doing that and they have love, joy, peace, then that makes their salt tasty, and then their light shine brighter. Uh, so these are the things we're working on, and I'm, I'm working full-time to... Uh, I stopped doing secular consulting in June when this when the show went on the network, and I started focusing full time on the ministry. Hmm. That's it. There's a lot of correlations there because I, yeah. What's frustrating to me, I also st- set up my own bu- Christian business roundtable discussion group because there was there. Are, as Roger told me a couple of days ago, there's 21 workplace ministry related ministries there in Minneapolis, and he brought them together. And in Tampa Bay, there's probably double that amount because we've got four and a half million people right in Tampa Bay, right. A- and right. Yet none of them are reaching out and specifically to the needs of the very small Christian business owner, uh, the people yeah. with five or less employees or ten or less employees that have yeah. a, you know a million dollars a year of sales or less, and, and it's a passion of mine. There are twenty, you know, there's probably somewhere between ten and twenty million of those Christian small business owners and Christian business leaders in America. And we need to mentor them. I mean, a lot of these ministries, they, they, after 20 years, you know, some of the roundtable ministries only have 1,200 members. Like, I want to have 1,200 members by the end of next year. 
I, I, we need to make a difference. We need to make an impact. You can't make an impact on America with 1,200 people. That may not be true. I just said that. I don't. I know God. You can. Just, <laughs> I'm sorry, Father. I know that you can do more. Because I, <laughs> yes, I know. I just, I'm going to backpedal on that because I know that you. You actually said when we were talking, hey, you, you asked the question, "Can one person make a difference?" Yes, I yes. believe one person yes. can make a difference. And God's using you on the radio, me on the radio. We're one people. Yes. yes. And he used Moses, and Moses led you know two million plus people. Uh, yes, I know he can. I know he can do. Well, it. and he used he used Amy Sample McPherson, and he used Billy Graham, and he used Martin Luther King, and those were single people that made a difference. Mm, yeah, and they, the big difference they did make. Hey, it yep. says on your website your goal is to get to a hundred radio stations. What's your plan? I mean, what's your plan? I mean, that's well, fantastic because there's. I mean, yeah. have you identified how many Christian talk radio stations there are in America? Uh, there, 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 it, there are over a thousand. I know that there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But I've changed my, I've changed my strategy, Jim. And thank you for pointing that out. I need to fix the website. But our, our <laughs> goal now is to get on. Our goal now is to get on a station, a Christian station, whether it's a talk station or not, because some music stations have have some talk. So it doesn't really have to be a talk station. But to get on uh, a station in the top fifty population centers. So we want to only want to be on fifty stations. Because if we're on 50 stations, uh, we will reach potentially 150 million people with only 50 stations. And we've just decided that that's the most economical, most effective way, best use of resources approach. So we want to be good stewards, and we want to be effective, and we want to have a minimum of of administration. So we focus on 50 now, and and that's our goal. Mm. Well, I, I will pray alongside of you that that happens and that it's not just 50, that maybe it is that 100, because God maybe gave you that 100 number, and now you're backing down. So let's go. Let's go, let's go for the 100. You know, because there's, you know, my heart and my passion is let, let's get good quality Christian. I mean, there's there's all kinds of political talk out there. Let's get yeah, some right. good quality Christian talk out there right. on the right. airways that inspires people. Hey, you know, one of, how's your response been from your listeners as you hear people on the street and in Minneapolis, you know, it's a very spread out. The suburbs are spread out 90 miles north and south and 50 yeah. miles east and west. Yeah. So but but what's your response been from your listeners? What are you hearing from people? How are they responding to you? Well, the, the response is always it's always warm. It's always great. But I have to be careful because, you know, people say, you know, up here, they say nice things. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, people, it's a great show. I really like your show. I, I, I get that. I get that a lot. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's an amazing thing. And, and I, I think uh, for every comment you get, I think the ratio is nine people who would have said so if you didn't, if, you know, they, they just didn't bother to tell you. So it's a nine to one ratio. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty, it's pretty good. I, 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 I uh, like I said, the more engaged I get with the churches up here, and, and I'm going to start doing that this this quarter. I'm going to start uh, making presentations at churches uh, around the Twin Cities. We have the largest number of uh, mega churches per capita in the country up here. We have a huge contingent of mega churches, which is so funny because 11 yeah. years ago that was yeah. not the case. You had Grace and Wooddale, and the That's one it. up in um, yeah. White Bear Lake. I can't think of the East. Uh, Eagle Eagle Church or Eagle Brook or whatever. Eagle Brook. Yeah. yeah, and and now and now you got tons of them. It's amazing. Yeah, we do, and most of them are most of them are the same uh, uh, Baptist General Conference as uh, Wooddale and and uh, and Eagle Brook. Eagle Brook are both uh, Baptist General Conference, but they you would never know they were Baptist churches by the way they operate. 
they're just about Jesus. They're just about God. And that's Bethel, you know, Bethel uh, Seminary, where I went up here at, uh, up here in uh, in, in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And it's just a it, it, it's just a great it's a great place. But here's the thing about the churches, Jim, and I think we should probably talk about this. The people in the churches, churches becoming is church is becoming a sanctuary for people. It's not becoming a it's a place where they go to get away from the world. They aren't they aren't seeing uh, church as a place to prepare for the world. And that's why I think radio ministries like ours are, are propping up, are, are, because people are, I think the need is there. People are looking for instruction in which they don't get at church on how to live their everyday life and be a good Christian at work. And I, I ask people, how many times have you heard a, a, a sermon about work? And they just they can't think of a time. Right. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not. This is not a blame thing. But there is a void that I think you and I are filling. Well, and it's not a blame thing, but it sure is frustrating because it's all over the scriptures. I mean, you know, for for a, a pastor of a church to say, you know what, I don't want to run my church like a business because that you know business is evil. I'm like, really, really? Did you ever read the New Testament? Because the New Testament I read was run by business people. I mean, yeah. come on, it, it just it's it gets so frustrating. And Jeff, I apologize. I said it wrong a couple of times. I didn't mean to. But welcome back to the I Work for Him show. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you. All right. So my question before the break was, listen, when you get a chance to introduce somebody, the idea that of faith and work, the idea that the work that they do matters to God, the idea that their workplace is their mission field, what's the favorite way for you to introduce that? Or, or, or how do you, what's the favorite topic and how you bring that up and introduce it on the radio? Well, there's three things I talk about on the radio over and over, as you said, three, three ways to talk about it. Now, and I do this differently in the conversation, but on the radio, I focus on business, government, and education. Business, government, and education. I think, I think those are the three areas of our marketplace that have the most impact and have had the most impact. Uh, and and government and education have had the most negative impact on our society. <laughs> and I think Christians in those two areas of life, especially, need to need to really uh, rise up. And I've I've been working with Christians in government, for example, that really are taking taking. Uh, uh, the principles of the kingdom into their work. But it, 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 it's uh, so business, Jim, the way I describe it is a place of innovation. The purpose of business, if you're a Christian, the purpose of your business is to make life better, is to improve life and to improve things, to develop products that make people's lives better, to, make, to provide services that make people's lives better. And they pay you for those services, and then you invest that profit and you do it more and you do it more. So I, I see business as a place of innovation. I see education as a place of preparation. So what are we being prepared for in education? And I think that's a, a big problem, because what, if you look at what people are being prepared for in their education, first of all, many times they're not even being prepared well, but the, the, the values and the, and the principles that their education is based on are corrupt. They're not good. And the third is government, and government is a place of regulation. It used to be, Jim, that the government government's job was to help make trains run on time to make the roads to make the roads so that you could get to someplace quickly to make it easier to do business to, yeah oh yeah to make it easier to do business that's what the regulations were for to make it better now it's the exact opposite the regulations exist to tell you how to run your business to govern your life in your business so that you can't do this and you can't do that and it's just wrong 
Do you ever wrong? Do you ever struggle no, no, not? Good. Go no, I was going to say, do you ever struggle not going political on your show? Because because some days I just want to jump up and down on my chair. No, I I, I don't struggle about. It. I don't struggle about it. When I talk about politics, I talk about Jesus, and I talk about I talk about when I talk to people in government, I talk about leading well, inspiring people, being efficient, being effective, lowering costs. And if, if government would just run that way, it, there would be a lot less government. Mm. Because we wouldn't need as much of it, because it would be very well run. So if we, the first thing I want to do is help government run well, and, and to run effectively and efficiently. And then we'll find out what we need and what we don't need, and then we'll start having less of it. It's really not that difficult. That's how businesses work, right? It is uh, how businesses work. Yeah, yeah. So, so if the government operated that way, it, it would find its right spot in the world, and it would be really cool. It would be great. And th- that would take a miracle of God. That mustard seed of faith, we need a whole packet of mustard seeds. Hey, before we run out of time, you mentioned education. And when we were talking earlier this week, yeah. you mentioned yeah. how there's three colleges up there in Minneapolis that are really taking it, and a seminary, taking it very seriously, uh, yeah. preparing their students to be yeah. ready to take their to, to look at their workplace as their mission field. As I've, as I've interviewed a couple of colleges down here, but Clearwater Christian yeah. College is doing that. But you mentioned Bethel. You mentioned Definitely. Crown. College is Northwestern yeah. doing it too? Yeah, Northwestern too. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three that are really taking it seriously. Bethel, especially, they have a they they are they are bringing faith into the university side of things, and they're bringing work into the seminary side of things. Mm. And those, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So, do they have business people actually teaching at the seminary? You're you're talking to one. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did you have to get a doctorate in order to be able to do that? No, 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 you don't. That's good. No. Yeah, because yeah. maybe there's hope. I mean, I can't imagine me in a seminary, though. I'm pretty sure I'd cause the walls to fall down. Oh, I don't think you would. I think you'd be a breath of fresh air. <laughs> I'd be a breath of something, that's for sure. I'm pretty... <laughs> I just, you know, academia and me, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, I love them, but boy, that's a different world. It is a different, different world. Jeff, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show today and just sharing a little bit of your passion right up there from the Midwest and, and just, you know, we're, we're, we're brothers in the same game, and I love the fact that we share airwaves, and I'm just so grateful you spent the time. And as I close out the show today, I want to make sure I give you that extra special thank you because this was awesome. Thank you so much. Well, Jim, I just uh, I just want to pray for you, Lord. I just pray for Jim and his program right now. That that Jim is a voice in Tampa, crying in the wilderness, and that you would give his voice strength, that you would give it clarity, that you would that you would send it out to all those who need to hear it in Jesus' name. You're listening to the I Work for Him show with your host Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for Him.